First Apostolic Church, now we have a responsibility to help nurture this precious child in the fear of the Lord. We have a responsibility to be an apostolic church. We have a responsibility to be the blood-washed multitude. We have a responsibility to, to be examples to Clara and to so many other children that are coming up in this assembly. And how many are ready for that challenge? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I came up in a great family who loved the Lord, gave their lives to the Lord. But I tell you, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the saints of God. As great of, as a family as, as you may have, the saints of God make a difference in your children's lives. Don't underestimate the influence you have in someone's life. I do want to announce that because of the holiday, there will be no service this evening, but we will be back to our regular schedule this coming Sunday, a week from today. I want to say also, this Wednesday night, I will be continuing our new series, Blameless, Blameless. And we are dealing with the first, the, the, the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, where we are called to be blameless in body, soul, and spirit, and empowered to be blameless. And so we, we encourage you to be a part of that and to hear this, this study series. Uh, I also want to say that a week ago today, our city had something spectacular take place. And it was, we had a one service in 2015, but we had a one Sunday in 2016. How many enjoyed that? That was a beautiful thing. Amen. I thank you so much for being such uh, beautiful hosts to Pastor and Sister Brian and uh, the sweet people that they are. And, and uh, Pastor Ellis, of course, was ministering at Grace Point Church. I was ministering at Calvary Church. The Lord moved across our city. And then at night, didn't we have a time in the Holy Ghost? My, my, my. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And so we thank the Lord for that. And we thank the Lord for you, each and every one of you. And uh, it's just good to walk in on Labor Day Sunday and see the saints of God gathered together. Amen. Amen. And uh, Brother, Brother Jiv Subramanium, could you just kind of wave your hand there in the back? Could you do that, Brother Run Jiv Subramanium? We love Brother Jiv and Sister Carly. And uh, I didn't ask him if this was okay, so I'll have to ask forgiveness later. <clears throat> but I think he would have permitted it. I was on my way to Atlanta this week to preach, and, uh, and, and I received a message from Brother Fazel Colbreth, and uh, later realized I had received a message also from Brother Jiv. Brother Colbreth sent me a message and saying, said, you won't believe what just happened. He said, got a call from Brother Jiv, and he said to me, Brother Fazel, I think something's happening in my life. I'm in my, the backyard of my parents' house, and I'm helping them with their yard. I'm mowing the lawn, and I've been praying. And I just said, Lord, I surrender everything. I submit all things to you. And he said, I feel something on me I have never felt before. And Brother Fazel said, just lift up your hands right now and worship the Lord. And when Brother Jiv lifted up his hands to worship the Lord, his worship didn't come out in the English language. <laughs> Glory. You know what I'm talking about. 
He was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Come on, folks. It can happen today at this altar, but it can happen in your backyard or your parents' backyard. You know why? Because the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So I called Brother Jiv and I said, Brother Jiv, I just heard the good news. He said, Pastor, I'm telling you, I feel it all over me. And then he took off in tongues on the phone with me. I said, go ahead, Brother Jiv. He said... He came back to, he said, man, I don't know what to do with this. I just, it just, I, I tried to talk and it's, it's not, and then he took off in tongues again. Then I took off in tongues and then we just started having a Holy Ghost time over the phone. My Lord, God is good. God is good. God is good. Joy, joy, joy like a river. Peace that passes understanding. Peace that passes understanding. Amen. From the book of Genesis, chapter 15 and verse 12. If you want to stand, you are certainly welcome to do so. I know you've been standing a lot throughout the service this morning, and I, I appreciate that. But we're going to read the word of the Lord today, and if you feel to stand again, you're welcome to do so. Genesis 15, verse 12. When the sun was going down... A deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. Afterward shall they come out with great substance. Afflicted for 400 years, but afterward shall they come out with great substance substance and by the help of the Holy Ghost I want to I want to preach to you what's on my heart what the Lord laid on my heart and, and it's it's going to be with this title a word for the ages in a moment of great darkness a word for the ages in a moment of great darkness Lord we need you this morning I know the sun is shining so beautifully into this sanctuary today and as we come and go, but Lord, you know the darkness that weighs on people's hearts and minds right now. Lord, we know how you deal with darkness. Let there be light, Lord. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light to shine into the darkness. We surrender ourselves to you this morning and we ask for your holy anointing. We give you praise and glory in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to say how happy we are to see Sister Jennifer Cox. God bless her. Pastor's wife from Kentucky and raised in this church. Born and raised. We love her. Let's give her a big hand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. She, of course, is a Wilson. And, uh, and we love any opportunity that we have that she comes and visits home. Amen. The Bible describes that the Lord spoke to Moses from a bush that was burning but was not being consumed. The Bible describes that Moses had been on the backside of a desert for about 40 years. He had been there almost fleeing from the life that he had known up to that point. And now he is, he is confronted with something he didn't expect to be confronted by. There was a moment, there was a time when, when Moses was ready to do the work of the Lord. He had seen a, an Egyptian taskmaster brutalizing a, a Hebrew slave. And because he himself was a Hebrew, this affected him deeply and he acted on his impulse and it he in doing so felt like this was going to be the beginning of a revolution if you please and so he stopped the Egyptian from proceeding with the brutal actions toward the Hebrew slave and ended up without meaning to he ended up slaying the Egyptian taskmaster this weighed on his conscience, of course, but it wasn't until a few days later that he realized somebody had told somebody that told somebody else what he had done and that he better get out of Egypt. So in a moment when he thought, okay, Israel's time for liberty is now, but Israel wasn't ready and Israel was, was not in a mindset of being free they were they weren't even considering that possibility so Moses leaves and basically goes to the backside of a desert as content to work with his father-in-law Jethro who gave him Zipporah to be his wife and he worked with his father's flocks and was content to do so basically kind of hoping to uh, live out you know the remainder of his life there on the backside of the desert and and you know die one day but maybe do some good in the meantime that whole ministry business it didn't work out like I thought it would that whole I'm gonna set Israel free that didn't work out like I thought it would and so I'll just stay here on the backside of a desert and and I'll just I'll just I'll just die here and then he saw something he hadn't ever seen before he saw a bush that was burning and burning and burning and burning but refusing to be consumed this is actually typical if you please of a child of God and if you've gone through fiery trials you know what I'm talking about you can burn and burn and burn and burn and burn and never get consumed you wonder, you look back over your life, you think things over, you think, how in the world did I get through that? I, I, I still got flames on my arms. 
My Lord, have mercy. I didn't know I'd make it to 2016 because in 1990, I was walking around on fire. And here I am still on fire trying to put little fires out, but I'm not being consumed. And Moses sees this, this bush burning but not being consumed, and he turns aside to see, and that you think the bush burning but not being consumed was a miracle. Now there's a voice that comes from it. And the voice begins to speak to him and says, Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. The cry of the Hebrew people has come up into my ears. I have heard their groanings. And it was the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard their groanings and I remember my covenant with Abraham. I remember my covenant with Abraham and the time for them to be delivered is now. And I'm going to use you to do it. And Moses is standing there with a staff in his hand and he said, are you, are you joking? Are you serious? You're going to use me to do it? Somewhere in this 40 years of of being on the backside of a desert, Moses lost all sense of confidence, all sense of direction, all sense of purpose, and all of that was getting ready to change. He was 80 years old, ladies and gentlemen, and he was ready to just, just throw in the towel and wrap it up, put a big exclamation point or a, or a comma period, whatever, at the end of his life. And just, you know, go out with uh, kind of a, a fizzle. And, and the Lord said, no, 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 no. You haven't even begun to do what I have called you to do. It starts now. You're going to walk into Pharaoh's court and you're going to tell him, let my people go. Because the time of Israel's deliverance is right now. But Lord, I am slow of speech. Who made the tongue? Who made the eyes? Who made the ears? Who shall I say sent me? You tell them I am. No, I need a name. I am. But I need you to, I need, can you please just give me your name? I am. The great I am. You just go tell Pharaoh that I am. And my amness is enough to deliver my people from the bondage of Egypt. I just simply am. Hallelujah. Well, what do I have to offer? What do you have in your hand? Throw it down. Throws the rod down, turns into a snake, picks it up, turns back into a rod. Put your hand in your garment. Puts his hand in his garment, pull it out. Comes out leprous. Put it back in. Pull it back out. Now it's made whole. I can do whatever I need to do. I am bringing my people out, and I'm bringing them out now. But what if Pharaoh hardens his heart? Let him harden his heart. I'm bringing them out now. The time is now. The deliverance is now. I don't know what affliction you've been going through, but I'm going to tell you, hold on. Hold on. Because there's coming a now in your life. And when that now arrives, it will happen instantaneously. In a sudden moment, everything will change. And I've got a word for somebody this morning. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, it's going to change. Don't quit. Don't give up. 
Don't backslide. Don't back down because God is going to deliver you. Glory. Hallelujah. It's going to happen now, Moses. Moses goes to Egypt. He walks into Pharaoh's court. He's got boldness he didn't know he had. He goes to the most powerful man in the world, toe-to-toe, face-to-face, with a staff in his hand. And he says, let God's people go now. Pharaoh said, "Um, what do you got? Moses said, I got this staff. He said, let's see what your staff can do. Staff, Moses throws down his staff, it turns into a snake. Pharaoh said, that's nothing. He calls Janice and Jambres over and says, throw your staffs down. Their staffs turn into snakes. Uh-oh. What are you going to do now, Moses? But God is God. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. And when you're facing something that you feel like somehow you have been outdone by the enemy, outsmarted by the enemy, outwitted by the enemy, never mistake, God is not mocked. And Moses' snake and Aaron's snake ate the snake that Janice and, Janice and Jambres lost their rods that day. They had to go back and whittle them a new staff because Moses and Aaron's rods ate the snakes that... Janus and Jambres had thrown to the ground the rods that turned into snakes. The plagues began. With each plague, Pharaoh hardened his heart. With each plague, Pharaoh determined again, I will not let them go. And the word of God came crashing back down to him. Let my people go. It's happening now. I'm not, this isn't a negotiation. Pharaoh started saying, all right, you can take them, but you can't take the cattle. You misunderstand. We're not sitting down at a negotiating table. My people are coming out and their kids are coming out. And their cattle is coming out. And all of their wealth is coming out. They are coming out with great substance. Pharaoh, I know you might be in charge in Egypt. But the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all they that dwell therein. This victory is not going to be had on Pharaoh's terms. But on God's terms. In Jesus' name. I'm going to take, don't, listen, don't take an artificial deliverance. Don't take an easy way out. Don't buy into the devil's lie and take some artificial deliverance from your pain or from your misery. Listen to what I'm telling you. If I'm coming out, my kids are coming out with me. If I'm coming out, my cattle's coming out with me. I will not stop until my family is saved. I will not give up until my family is free of the bondage of Egypt. Hallelujah. So here they come. Here they come. I mean, hundreds of thousands, million people come pouring out of Egypt. It was literally a mass exodus. And as they leave in that exodus, I mean, this has been dramatic. Pharaoh has been reduced because he hardened his heart against Yahweh. And he arrogantly defied Yahweh. And Yahweh brought him down. Listen, don't try to defy God. 
Because God will bring humility into your life. And you can receive it willingly or you can receive it the hard way. Some of you have, have received it the hard way. I've received it the hard way. Reminds me of when my great-grandpa Urshan and my grandfather were having a discussion. My grandfather was pastoring Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis, preaching harvest time and all around the world. And, 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 and he was just busy, busy, preaching, preaching, doing the work of God. And he was well-loved and well-respected. And he came down to his kitchen table one morning, and he was busy trying to get the breakfast eaten and get moving on his day schedule and his father that patriarch prayer warrior prophet Andrew Urshan sat at the table and said just watched him finally he said Nathan cancel your day schedule and pray with me he said well dad I would love to but I am very busy today and I won't be able to do that cancel your day schedule Nathan and pray with me and grandpa said no dad I can't do that now if you want to schedule a time to pray we can schedule a time to pray, but I'm very busy. I have this at 9 o'clock and this at 10.30 and this at noon. And he said, Gene, cancel his schedule. <laughs> and Grandpa said, no, Gene, don't cancel my schedule. Dad, I have work to do, things to get done. And he said, come with me. He grabbed him by the arm and led him to the living room. And he put him, nudged him, pushed him to the couch <laughs> and said, you pray. Pray until the pride comes out of you. Because if you won't humble yourself, God will humble you. Pharaoh found out the hard way that if we won't humble ourselves, the Lord will humble. Because I'm going to tell you something. More important to God than anything is the salvation of our soul. I'm going to tell you, God was actually trying to save Pharaoh. Pharaoh wouldn't have it, but God was actually trying to show him his mighty power so that Pharaoh would humble himself and honor him as the Lord God. This wasn't, this wasn't just some macho, bravado, show of strength, mano y mano. No, he was trying to show Pharaoh, you are not God, and I am God, and I will save you. And Pharaoh's hardened heart prevented him from experiencing what God was trying to do in his life. And so they, they leave Egypt and they come to the Red Sea. And this moment of standing before the Red Sea is a critical moment because everything has actually gone in Moses' favor. I mean, I mean he was, he's been verified and validated in everything that he said. But now they've come to a critical moment where they, the Red Sea is in front of them. And this is like part of God's path that he sends them through. You know, it's like... Your GPS every now and then. Have you ever noticed that your GPS will like take you up to a body of water? And be like, just go straight and turn right. On. And you're trying to figure out, well, who put this map together? And the Lord just put, put them a map together that involves the Red Sea. And it's like, Moses, what are you doing to us, man? And Moses said, I don't know what the plan is, but I know God is God. And Moses said something that, that resounds even to this day. He said to them this. He said, stand still and see. I know that, listen, Egypt was hot on their trail. Pharaoh was coming to get them back. And it was not going to be pretty. And there were mountains on either side. And there is a Red Sea in front of them. And Moses stands squarely on the promises of Abraham. And says, I got nothing else except to say, stand still and see. I know I look like I have 
gotten in over my head. I've bitten something off that I can't chew. I know I look like I didn't plan this out right. But stand still and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. He was standing squarely upon a promise that God made to their father Abraham. When his name wasn't even Abraham yet. His name was Abram. And Abram was having these conversations with God. And God was saying things to him like, Leave thy father's house. And leave thy father's kindred. And go looking for a city to where I will send you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I know Sarah can't even have a baby. But I will make of you a great nation through Sarah. And in Isaac shall your seed be called. And the Lord began to tell Abram this communication would go on. And he, Abram went where the Lord told him to go without hesitation, without trepidation. And the more he obeyed God, the more God's promises swelled. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. I'll bless them that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. I will go before you. I will establish my covenant with you. I will give you peace forevermore. And the blessing of Abraham, that the blessing of God upon Abraham grew to such a powerful covenant that God made with that man. And we today have tied into those blessings. You better believe we've tied into those blessings. That's what the Apostle Paul was teaching us, that we are grafted into that lineage of Abraham. That's why when I was a kid, we sang, Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord right arm. <laughs> then you'd sing it again. You'd get to that end, right arm, left arm. Right foot, left foot, bob your head, turn around. Hallelujah, that was their trick. That was their way of getting us dizzy to where we had to sit down, had no choice. Our Sunday school teachers are smart. And Moses had to stand on these promises. But I, I want to take a look at when this promise came. That's what I want to do today. I want to take a look at, my goodness, the conditions under which this promise came to Abram. You know, we think of a word from the Lord and we, and we think of going to the mountain high. And while going to the mountain high, we stand there as the wind brushes across our face and an eagle flies above. And, and we feel even, the, even the, the brush of his soaring wings and a voice from heaven speaks to us and that's how we picture the word of God. Not quite how it came to Abram. Abram is just going along his day, a merry old way. And the Bible says that the sun was going down. The sun was going down. Now, I want to just pause there for a moment, and I want to point out that the sun going down is a significant thing to say. I remember, and this happened even into my adult life. I, I don't anymore, but I used to get like real uh, melancholy when the sun would start to go down. About 5 o'clock, 5.30 was my least favorite time of the day. 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock. I would get like, it just, then around, once, once it became night, I was fine. But, but just watching the day come to a conclusion 
would send me into this melancholy state and I would just almost have to like climb up out of the pit of despair. Oh, I didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to go anywhere. That, and it was bad because I'm a preacher and that's where you do a lot of your work is in the evenings when you're a preacher. And so 7 o'clock service would roll around and I had to climb up out of the pit of despair to preach the word of God. But the sun going down represents something very significant. It is the conclusion of a day that had existed. During the day, the sun was shining. During the day, the birds were singing. During the day, the, the, the flowers were beautiful to gaze upon. During the day, you were able to navigate your way around. But then you begin to notice a change of scenery and the sun begins to go down. And when the sun begins to go down, you realize that everything you knew of that day is coming to a conclusion. This happened to Abram. Whatever went on that day, whatever memory was made, was coming to a conclusion. Whatever, whatever, whatever uh, experience they had, whatever was on the schedule, whatever they had looked forward to, it was now coming to a conclusion. And I feel in the Holy Ghost like I'm preaching to somebody where you're experiencing the setting of the sun in your life. That something is coming to a conclusion and the sun is going down and you're not sure what to do about it. And if you're like me, a little bit of a melancholy state sets in. People don't even know what's wrong with you. You're just different. Your personality changes. Your, the way you were talking changes. The way you once were laughing, it begins to change because you feel finality. You feel conclusion. You feel one chapter closing and another chapter beginning. Sun going down. It can get depressing. A lot of people do get depressed, but don't. Because the word of God is getting ready to come to you. It's the word for the ages. It's a word that will, that will make a difference in your children's 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 lives. It's a word that Moses will stand upon one day when he's looking out over the Red Sea. This word, oh, you thought it was just a normal day. You thought it was just a normal trial. No trial you ever face is normal. You better pass that test and you better pass it right because there are generations following you that are going to stand on the rock-solid truth that you established in your test and in your trial. So the sun is going down and Abram starts to close up the tent. And Abram begins to, to do everything that's necessary to begin to shut down what was. And he lays down and a deep sleep falls upon Abram. A deep sleep. Anybody ever been in a deep sleep? I'm not talking about one of those light sleeps where you wake up every 10 minutes. I'm talking about the kind of sleep where you wake up and you don't know who you are. You don't know who that strange person, it's your spouse, but you don't know who that strange person next to you in bed is. And, and I, I had that experience. I was in Atlanta, and I was so tired. I preached Friday morning. I got in late Thursday night. I got to bed about 4 in the morning on Friday, and I had to get up about 8 uh, o'clock for the service that morning, and I preached on Friday morning. 
and I preached, and the Lord helped us, and I went out to lunch, and I came back to my room, and I'm going to tell you something, folks. When I say tired, it's a wonder I made it back to my room. I, I was trying to get in other rooms. I didn't know which room was mine. I got back to my room. I laid down for a, na- a nap. You be careful of those kind of naps. I lay down and slept for one hour and 45 minutes. And when I woke up, I thought I was in Cincinnati. It was Sunday morning, and I was running late for service. I jumped out of bed, and I was about 30 minutes into getting ready before I realized I'm not even in Cincinnati, and it's not Sunday. It was a deep sleep. You know there's another deep sleep in the book of Genesis. The Bible says that the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. And when Adam woke from that sleep, there was his soulmate, his helpmeet. Something happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you go into a deep sleep. God begins to work. And some of you feel like you're not making any progress. If you would stop resisting God and what he's trying to do in your life and just lay down your will and let him put you into a deep sleep. He'll do something you couldn't do on your own. You want to be productive. You can't be productive by yourself. It is not good that the man should be alone. You can't be fruitful and multiply by yourself. You've got to let God put you into a deep sleep. Let God pull out of you what needs to come out. And let God form what needs to be formed. Can we just all agree that God is good at being God? Can we all just agree that he knows what's best for us? Can we just all agree that we don't know and that he does know and that we need him every second and we need him every moment? How many tests am I going to have to fail before I realize that? How many times am I going to have to stumble before I realize God is God? We're like the baby that won't go to sleep. Just simply refuses to go to sleep. And the Lord puts us into a sleep. And I'm going to tell you something. He'll put you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into that sleep. Some of you are wondering what in the world's going on. My, 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 I feel like I feel so strange because God is putting you deeper and deeper And deeper into your, you're not going anywhere until he's done with you. I said, you're not going anywhere until he's done with you. Deeper, and you're trying to do it all. You can't do it. God is the one to do it. It would be like you going into the surgical room and saying, all right, doc, this is how we're going to do this. We're, I'm going to reach inside of me and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this vein over here and tie it into that vein and then we're going to put a stent in over here. No, 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 no. You just lay down and let him put you to sleep. And then he'll do the work. She'll do the work. God will do the work if you let him just put you to sleep. A deep sleep came upon Abram. And while he slept, and horror, of great darkness came upon Abram while he slept. And horror of great darkness. Now, folks, God is getting ready to speak. God is getting ready to give him a word for the ages. 
There's no sound of a rushing mighty wind. There's no cloven tongues like as a fire sitting upon anybody's head. There's no whirlwind. There's no earthquake. There's no, there's no uh, chariot of fire. All of these ways we know God is able to speak. All of these ways that he did speak. There's no burning bush. It's a horror of great darkness. It's a terrible thing. And it comes down upon Abram. And I'm preaching to some folks right now. I know that you feel like you're in that horror of great darkness. There's nothing worse than that. It, you don't know which way to go. You don't know what could be lurking. You're afraid to take another step because of what could be lurking in the horror of great darkness. I remember when I preached in Colorado, a camp meeting, they were so kind and they put me in a beautiful lodge and one of the amenities of this lodge was that it had no electronic stuff except lights and so there was no phone and th th that would have been very nice under normal circumstances but my wife was eight months expecting our first baby Anna and I was scared because I'm on the Colorado River and my wife is eight months expecting and I don't know what's going to happen and this was back in the old days when not everybody had cell phones and we only had one cell phone and I gave it to her so that if she were driving and something happened she would have a phone to call and I knew well when I get there I'll just use the landline there ain't no landline in this lodge and so I'm sitting in this lodge and I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to go to sleep and I'm thinking oh no 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 something could be happening and I don't know and in order for her to get a hold of me she's got to call like the front desk which is has like an it's only open a few hours and that's like noon to three and so it's that they have to come get me and bring me to the to the front it was just not the ideal set of circumstances and so I thought, you know what, the campground where I'm preaching when some people are staying there is only five miles away. And I'll just walk through the Rocky Mountains. Five miles? Nothing. I could do that in my sleep. My deep sleep, I could do that. And so I laced up my boots and I put on my top coat. And I walked out the door and I headed out into the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> and I walked down into the, folks, I was made for the Rocky Mountains. You can just, I start walking down through the, through the lodge, over the woods, through the, over the creek, through the woods, wherever. And I start walking through the Rocky Mountains. I got about 15 feet into the Rocky Mountains and I didn't know where I was I couldn't see the street that I was walking on I couldn't see my hand literally I've heard it was so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face it's the first time and the last time I've ever experienced I, I tried it I did this I can't see my hand I can't see my hand the moon was shut out by the peaks of the mountains the stars were shut out by the peaks of the mountains I started I, I decided to say you know I, I, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Then I decided, you know what, Lord? I want you to take care of Heidi. Bless her. Put your angels around her. 
feet for Lord in all your ways. And, and I knew that the Lord would take good care of everything at home. A horror of great darkness. You don't know what's in front of you and you don't know what could come out of nowhere. You don't know what crossroads you're crossing. You don't understand. It's a horror of great darkness. This is where Abram received a word for the ages. This is where God gave him a word that would strengthen children of his 400 years, 600 years later. Where Moses would stand on the banks of the Red Sea and when he wanted to give up and when he wanted to throw in the towel and when he wanted to turn around and say, I'm sorry, I thought it would work, but it didn't work. I thought I knew where I was going, but evidently I didn't know where I was going. But it was this word that God gave to Abram and God put him in an ideal set of circumstances where the sleep was so deep he couldn't get out of it, where the darkness was so thick he couldn't see his own way around and where, and where the sun had set and all natural illumination was gone now God can speak to you now God can speak to your spirit you couldn't have heard a still small voice before because of all the chatter and the clatter and the stuff that you had put in your life but now God has stripped it all away God has shut down the sun God has put you in great darkness God has put you into a deep sleep and now you can hear God's most effective voice which is a whisper it's still and it's small and he heard the Lord say, in great darkness, in deep sleep, with the sun going down, he heard the Lord say, your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. You got to get this, Abram. You got to get this, and you got to get this good. Don't fail this test. Don't shake yourself from this sleep just yet. I need to tell you something because they need you to tell them something. They need to lean back on your life's example, and you need to pass this test. Your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Trouble's coming. But that nation whom they serve, I will judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. You tell your children's 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 children that they shall come out of this. That they're going to be victorious. You tell your children and tell them to tell their children and to tell their children and to tell their children that I am a faithful God and I will bring them out of this darkness that they will find themselves confronted by. Yeah, you need to pass this test. You need to endure this darkness. You need to endure this deep sleep. I know that the sleep is so deep and you're trying to struggle and shake. You don't like the dreams you're having. I know that the nightmare is frightening you. I know you do anything to wake back up into what you call reality. But let God speak to you first. Get that word that you're supposed to get before you shake yourself awake. This is what happened to Jacob. The angel said, let me go. And Jacob said, oh, no, not yet. Not until you bless me. I didn't come into this trial just to get the easy way out. I won't let you go until I get the word I need. I need a word from God for the ages to come. 
Yes, I do. I need a word from God for the ages to come. You know, I have a word from the Lord that came to my father. My father and mother went through a deep, 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 dark trial. The sun went down on their life in a particular way. A deep sleep came upon them where they were rendered motionless and unable to react. And horror of great darkness settled on them as they thought that the enemy's blow against them was so severe they could never recover. As a matter of fact, my father received a call from a preacher several years after he went through his deep trial. And he, the preacher said, Brother Urshan, you don't know me and I don't know you, but he said, the Lord showed me something about you. He said, you were walking down the road in the bright of day and a car was driving toward you and it was driving wildly and said that the driver of the car, he named the driver of the car and the driver of the car was a, an individual who meant to do great harm to our family. And this individual struck you with the car and dragged you with the car. And you, you, you were dragged several miles to where, as I saw the vision, I thought there's no way that he'll live through this. But when the car stopped, you came up from that position of having been completely decimated. And when you stood up on your feet, it was amazing that you could stand up on your feet because your clothes were ripped, your face was torn, your body was in shambles. But you took one step and then took another and then took another. And with every step that you took, health was restored to you, life was restored to you, and you overcame what that car intended to do to you. This experience of my family was a deep, dark trial. It was so deep, so dark, so sinister. An attorney called my father and said, you should sue. That's what you should do. You should sue. He was a friend of our family and he said, you've got a case. I can make you a wealthy man. My grandfather and father said to him, look, that's not how we operate. We don't retaliate like that. It's not how we operate. One day as my father was praying on this and thinking about this and considering that he had just been so ravaged. He walked out onto the front doorstep of his house and the sun was shining. And the sun broke through the trees. A ray of light came to him and the Lord spoke to him and said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay and I will bless you through your children. My father always reminds us I have a word from the Lord that he's going to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. I speak blessing upon you. I speak blessing upon you. And you know what? Sometimes when I'm facing my dark trials, sometimes when I'm facing the blows of the enemy, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, I fall back to what my father received. And I think of how my parents stood like rocks under that pressure and under that torment of the enemy. And it reminds me everything is going to be all right. Listen, you've got children coming along who need to know everything is going to be all right. Don't 
give up in this battle. Fight, hallelujah, to the bitter end so that your children can stand in front of their Red Sea and say, I don't know how we're going to get out of this alive, but I can tell you this, if you'll stand still and put your faith in God, he's going to work it out. I know that because my father got a word from the Lord. A word for the ages in a moment of great darkness. You know one of the reasons my dad got that word was because his dad got a word. His dad wanted to leave Calvary Tabernacle. He got to Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis, one of the famed churches of the Pentecostal movement. But he got there in 1949, and when he got there, some problems developed immediately. And people started leaving left and right. they just like, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya, nice knowing ya, and they're gone. And I mean, it was dropping, dropping, dropping. By 1951, he thought, my Lord, I'd never dreamed that this would happen. His mother-in-law, Sister Hobbig, who was, was one of the pillars of the church, said to him, well, you always wanted to start a home missions work. I guess you're going to have your opportunity. He said, thanks, Mom. One night he was so tormented by what the devil was telling him that he got out of bed, got his suit on. He said, I'm going to the church. It was about 4 or 4.30 in the morning. Grandma said, what, what, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to pray until I hear from God. I need a word for the ages in this moment of great darkness. And so he goes to the church, and when he's driving to the church, he gets there, and to his surprise, there's an old man sitting on the steps with a cane. At 4.30 in the morning, he gets out of his car and he says, Sir, may I help you? He said, I'm actually here to help you. He said, well, I need help. He said, would you mind driving me around for a little while? He said, sure. So he, my grandfather was about 31 years old. He said, hop on in. They got in the car and they started driving around Indianapolis. He said, I am here to tell you that the Lord is with you. I'm here to tell you not to leave this church. I'm here to tell you to dig in your heels and stand fast. And don't let these winds that have come against you intimidate you. Because the Lord is getting ready to do something powerful in this city. And He's going to do it through you. He began to describe, He gave him five prophecies that day in the car. And all of them detailed his life and exactly what would happen up until the very end of his life. I remember when the last prophecy was fulfilled. It was a couple of years before my grandfather passed away. And I remember him. It, was, it had to do with international incidents. And he put the paper down and he said the last prophecy was just fulfilled. And he was gone just a few years later. My grandfather drove that guy around. Finally, the guy said, all right, I'm done. Stop the car. He had a cane that he sat with, and it was a, it was a really unique cane. It was like serpentine. It, 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 just, it just wound around. And he said, all right, I'm done. Stop the car. I, you let me out here. My grandfather said, sir, there's no place for you to go. He said, I, uh, let me take you home or at least back to the church. He said, no, now, right here, let me out. He said, well, sir, you have helped me. 
He said, could you please tell me your name? He said, my name's not important. He said, please just tell me something. I need a way to, to know you. He said, my name is three score and ten. And so he said, just let me out here. He got out of the car. And my grandfather said, thank you, sir. He said, you're more than welcome. And, and he shut the door. My grandfather shifted the car into drive. And when he looked back to wave, the man was gone. And he never saw him for the rest of his life. He looked around, gone, just gone. Never saw him again for the rest of his life. 25 years later, he was sitting in his office. And while he was sitting in his office, a young man who was a new believer and had never heard the story walked into his office and said, Pastor, I have something to give you, and I don't know what it means, and I hope you don't think I'm crazy. He said, I was sitting under a tree, and while I was sitting under the tree praying, the Lord lifted my eyes to a branch on the tree. And said, cut down the branch and make a cane. I will give you the design of the cane. And I want you to take it to Reverend Urshan. He'll know what it means. And when this young man did, he broke it down and he made this cane. And he followed the design that the Lord put into his mind. And when he took it to my father and showed my grandfather, my grandfather looked at it and said, where did you get that cane? He said, the Lord showed me a design. I hope you like it. He said, I've seen it before. When did you see it before? That was the cane that the man had who sat in my car. The serpentine cane with, that, that prophesied the rest of my life to me. We still have the cane. When I go to my parents' house, sometimes I'll just grab it and hold on to it. Because I've got some Red Seas in front of me. Uh, I'm thankful for a grandfather who didn't quit. I'm thankful for a father who didn't sue. I'm thankful. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful for ancestors who passed their test. I'm thankful that they prayed, that they stayed, that they waited on God, that they let God be true and every man a liar. Somebody lift your hands with me right now. Somebody lift your hands with me right now. Come on, there's a horror of great darkness settling on you. But God is giving you a word for the ages. A word that's going to anchor your family. A word that's going to anchor your children and your grandchildren. A word that's going to settle your spirit. Oh, glory to God. 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 Come on, somebody, lift up your voice unto the Lord right now. Lift up your voice unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I feel like there's somebody in this house who needs the encouragement of the Lord. Stay in the fight. You need the encouragement of the Lord. Don't quit. Don't give up. There's a word coming your way. Don't run from the darkness. But hear what thus saith the Lord. Glory to God. 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 
There are some things, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that happen in my life that I know I don't deserve. There are some things, there are some doors that fly open. And I know my, that's the Lord. And the Lord will show me, I'm still honoring your great-grandfather. Still honoring him. I'm still honoring his obedience. Could you, I know you're going through it right now, but could you right now in the name of Jesus say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this trial. I'm going to obey you and I will not deviate from your perfect will. I'm going to tell you your grandchild is being blessed right now in the name of Jesus. Your child is being blessed of the Lord right now because of your faithfulness. You are projecting the blessing of the Lord upon your children and upon your grandchildren and upon your great grand. Right now, it's happening in the name of Jesus. Come on, stay and pray. Stay and pray. Wait on Him. Wait on Him. Wait on Him. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. I'm making these altars open right now for somebody right now to come forward and say, God, I trust in you. I trust in you. I trust in you. Come on, that's it. You're going through something. You're facing an uphill battle. Come in the name of Jesus and say, God, I trust in you. God, I trust in you. Come on, somebody else. That's it. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, somebody else, somebody else. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. And I'm so lost without you. Come on, somebody, that's it. Make it, make it, make it. You're going to make it. Survive and thrive in the name of Jesus. I can't. I won't